0: to another episode of The Marvelous Duo. We are your hosts, Matt and Kate. And today we're going to be talking about Thor, which was released in 2011 and is your favorite superhero.
1: Yes, he is.
0: So, this movie takes place in New Mexico, which if you remember from our previous episode, the end of credits scene. Coulson, I don't remember who he's talking to.
1: He tells Tony Stark that he has to go to New Mexico. I
0: think he makes a comment like, the New Mexico issue... Well, this movie, the Thor issue, is the New Mexico issue. We start this movie out getting to know Jane Foster, Darcy, and Dr. Eric Selvig. So Jane Foster and Dr. Eric Selvig are both astrophysicists.
1: And Darcy is a political science student.
0: Because she's the only one who applied for the program. (laughs) We start the movie out with Jane, Darcy, and Dr. Eric in a souped-up Jeep. (laughs) Yeah. Looking for what Jane Foster says is an aurora.
1: A subtle aurora that has happened 17 other times, which makes me want to know what the other 17 occurrences were, but I don't think we're ever going to find that out.
0: Well, while they're looking for this subtle aurora, we end up...
1: With a not-so-subtle aurora? Yeah. And a man getting hit.
0: There's this beam of light from the sky and also like almost tornado-y, like bad weather. And they accidentally run into a man with their vehicle. And that man is Thor.
1: Which we find out through the flashback that the movie then goes into. It goes into the history of the Norse gods, which is really cool because it starts in Tonsberg, Norway which is going to be a fun callback in the next movie, which we'll discuss then. But just remember, Tomsburg, Norway, and shows the history of the Asgardian gods coming to Earth and being worshipped after defeating the Frost Giants of Jotunheim.
0: Which are the bad guys in this movie, or the the Jotunheims, the Frost Giants.
1: The Jotuns, yeah.
0: The the Jotuns. The Jotuns. (laughs) Because they threatened to turn the Earth into a popsicle.
1: Basically, yeah.
0: And so Asgard fought on behalf of humanity. Yes,
1: and ended up...
0: Taking their source of power. Yeah,
1: the casket of Infinite Winter. And we then see Odin, who... It's implied that he lost his eye in that battle, which does not follow the typical Norse mythology, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Thor, the movie... But we see him explaining to his two sons, Thor and Loki. And in this scene, he says in line, he says both were born to be kings, which personally I think is bad parenting. Like, you're you're obviously going to breed animosity from the younger one who doesn't get to be king. But it's also really good foreshadowing about Loki's history that we find out later on.
0: It's 100% Odin being a jerk. Because, yes, they were both born to be king, but only Thor is going to get the Asgardian throne. Yeah. But we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Yeah,
1: because we then go to Thor's coronation. Yes. Which, the only comments I have about that are that they shouldn't have dyed Chris Hemsworth's eyebrows. (laughs) And that Odin makes a comment about Mjolnir being a tool to build, which is really cool because we, we only see it being used as a weapon for a really long time, but it is a hammer. It is a tool. It's kind of cool.
0: In that scene of Thor's coronation, it is very rudely interrupted due to the fact that some Jotuns, frost giants, break into the vault area where they have a lot of very powerful relics and where they keep that casket of infinite winter that we talked about. And we are introduced to the Destroyer, Hmm. Which is a very scary guardian man that shoots beams out of his head, and his purpose is to protect all of those artifacts. Yes. Something else, I feel like in this moment, Odin knew that Thor was not ready to lead, but he was still going to make him king.
1: Yeah. I think the reason for that is because he knew that the Odin sleep was coming and that Asgard needed a protector.
0: Yeah, so we're introduced to Lofi, which is the king of Jotunheim.
1: Yes, because Thor is extremely emotional.
0: He is. He is an entitled man-baby. He makes me so mad. In this scene, after the coronation, he makes a comment. Because the coronation doesn't go, of course, all the way through because of the attack. And they're standing down in the place with all the artifacts. And Thor makes a comment that they should go fight the Jotuns. Instead of just letting it lie where it is. But Odin's point is that they've paid with their lives. They're dead. They didn't succeed in their quest. And also, it probably wasn't an act of war. It was probably a small group of people acting on their own. Well, Thor thinks that they should go to Jotunheim and beat them all to a pulp to show them who's boss. Yes. And he makes a comment. Well, as king of Asgard and Odin (laughs) is like, well, you're not king. Not yet! And, I don't know, I feel like Thor just got a big head.
1: Yes, he got a, bit, a very big head. You know who doesn't have a big head and is also introduced before Luffy, um, but is one of the more interesting characters, is Heimdall. Yes. Who's just very, very by the rules, but also very bendy about those rules. He knows what the rules are and he knows how to get around them. It's pretty funny.
0: And Heimdall is the gatekeeper inside the Bifrost that guards whether people come in and out of Asgard. Yep. So, we are also introduced to Thor's crew of, like, misfits that go and pillage. And, I don't know. They fight and...
1: They fight alongside Thor. They are Lady Sif and the Warriors Three.
0: Right. And those Warriors Three are Fandral, Hogan, and Volstagg. So, Fandral... The only notes I have about this man is that he has a great stash? Yes, he does. He also plays Prince Charming in Once Upon a Time. Yes. If any of you watch that show.
1: Yes. That is also why in the next two Thor movies, Fandral is played by Zachary Levy. Because Once Upon a Time got really popular, and so he was busy filming that, and could not reprise his role as Fandral.
0: And then we have Hogan, who is a samurai cool guy.
1: I see what's written on your notes, and I also know that we're...
0: Keeping this podcast PG. Yes. And then you have Volstag, which is literally, my notes say, burly tall dwarf. <laughs> and that's really what stereotypical... It's just Gimli, but taller.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Later on, he actually has a line that is essentially my entire attitude towards life, which is, do not mistake my appetite for apathy.
0: <laughs> and then you have Sif, who is absolutely beautiful but also a complete force when it comes to fighting. She uses a shield and a sword.
1: Yes, and sometimes she uses a double-sided or like a double-bladed sword like Darth Maul. Yes. She just switches back and forth.
0: We get some hints that Sif is very much into Thor, and at the end of the movie it's very much hinted that she probably would have ended up being queen.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Also, during the scene where Odin and Thor are arguing after the attack, from the get-go, you see that Loki is a sneaky snake. Like, he he's such a deceptive person, and he tries to just swoop in there, like, with little seeds of doubt and little seeds of deception to manipulate situations.
1: And, like, you see that during the fight as well, with him making duplicates of himself to mess with the Odins. And, you know, it's funny that Thor goes to Jotunheim as revenge but ends up just enjoying the fight. It's the only reason he stays. It's it's no longer about revenge or anything like that. It it turns into him just wanting to fight.
0: Before we finish talking about that fight, when once they go through the Bifrost to Jotunheim, Heimdall makes a comment, and this is so cool because I love the character of Heimdall. He says, no one has gotten past me until this day. When he makes this comment, he looks at Loki because he's talking about how he doesn't know how the Jotunheims... Got here. Because they didn't come through the Bifrost. Which, there are other ways to get to Asgard, but the main way is the Bifrost. But also, Heimdall has magic eyes that can see through different planes of existence.
1: Yeah. Heimdall can see and hear everything that happens in the Nine Realms of the cosmos.
0: But I think, in that moment, he knew Loki was involved somehow. Yeah. He knew that there was a snake in the garden. Um, because... Even though Odin has said, don't go to Jotunheim, Thor and his gang are manipulated by Loki. Loki's the one that plants this seed of, well, you should go to Jotunheim. So Thor takes the bait and thinks it's his idea. Then we go, of course, to Jotunheim, where Thor and Laufey have a conversation.
1: The conversation ends with Laufey and Loki convincing Thor to leave, and then a very large frost giant mocking thor and everyone realizing that that is gonna cause a fight which it does and we get to see all of them fighting even if the lighting isn't great we still get to see some some pretty good fight scene but the important thing that happens here is that Volstag finds out that being touched by the the frost giants it's immediate frostburn and right after that loki gets grabbed by one of them, and instead of being harmed by it, instead his hand turns blue.
0: Also, they get like little raised t- tattoos, like the jotuns have. Yes, designs on them. So when in that scene, when he gets grabbed, his hand turns blue, and he also has those markings.
1: Right, which I think at that point changes Loki's plans a little bit because now he wants to know what's going on with him. We also get to see a superhero landing from Thor after he goes and kills a. Very large beast of some sort.
0: Yeah, we also get to see him fly with Mjolnir by swinging it around above his head.
1: Yes, he swings it really hard and it jerks him off the ground.
0: He's just like a helicopter. Meow.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, they try and escape, and Heimdall doesn't open the Bifrost, but then Odin shows up.
0: Odin tries to fix it and says, like, tries to talk to Lofi and is like, hey, this wasn't an act of war, this is an immature boy that came on his own. Let's try and, you know, rectify this. And Luffy's like, no, he came here for a fight, so he's getting a fight. And so then Odin yeets all of them away.
1: Yes. I think the the important thing in that scene is that Luffy probably wouldn't have answered the way that he did, except that he sees Odin, and he sees that Odin is weakening, which is probably why Odin did not want to go there in the first place. But then we get introduced to the, the theme of Thor's journey in this movie, which is worthiness, yes. um, because when they get back, Odin strips Thor of his power and sends him somewhere through the Bifrost, and then does the famous inscription on Mjolnir of, Whosoever wields this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor.
0: And then yeets it through the Bifrost.
1: Yes. It would have been funny if the Bifrost was on a random, and Thor got sent to one of the Nine Realms, and then Mjolnir got sent to a different one. I <laughs> really would have changed this movie a lot.
0: Yeah. So then we're back where this movie started, of Thor has now been banished to Earth. Mjolnir behind him. Jane Foster stumbles upon this scene happening, and it hits him... With a car. Technically, Darcy was driving, so she hit him with a car, but...
1: But according to Darcy, it is Jane's fault.
0: Yes. She was manipulating the wheel, so... Yeah. But anyways, they get out, and they try to have a conversation with Thor. And of course, Thor is like, Puny humans, I am a god of thunder. Blah. And then Darcy tases him. (laughs) And her, her response is... Well, he was freaking me out.
1: Darcy is just fantastic comic relief in this movie. Yeah, Thor's uh, Thor goes to the hospital. Meanwhile, a bunch of New Mexico Red rednecks neck? start trying to lift Mjolnir when they find it. Uh, we find out that Stanley's truck is not worthy.
0: No, it's not
1: because they try and uh, winch it up and pull Mjolnir, and it pulls the back of the the bed of the truck off and we see that stanley is driving so there's the stanley cameo for this movie
0: yes and it's one of the earlier ones you know it's not an end of the movie stanley cameo
1: yeah it's it's a pretty comedic one though and we also get to see the same scene as the iron man two after credit scene of colson showing up and seeing Mulner and calling and being like i found it
0: and then they set up a kind of camp around Mulner. they're doing some readings on it trying to figure out what Mjolnir is. We also hear Dr. Selvig and Jane Foster have their discussion about an Einstein-Rosen bridge which is essentially a wormhole. They have pictures and in the pictures there is a human-like shape coming down through this beam of light that they saw. So of course their next jump is oh he's he was telling the truth. His name is Thor. Let's go get the man that we left at the hospital. And then they arrive at the hospital. He's gone. And Jane Foster runs over him again yep. with the car. She hits him twice.
1: Yep. That's just the way to find Thor in this movie. Just drive around. You'll hit him eventually. Right. We also get treated to the, the fan service of Chris Hemsworth without a shirt. But when he puts on his shirt, a borrowed shirt, there's a name tag on it, which is Donald Blake, which we find out is Jane Foster's ex. But what's interesting about that is that Donald Blake is actually Thor's alias in the comics. Mm-hmm. So that's a little Easter egg there, a little nod to that, which comes back later when Eric comes and gets him after several other things, but they, they use Donald Blake as his alias again.
0: And throughout this, they're swapping back and forth between what's going on with Thor on Earth and what's happening in Asgard. And we have this scene where Loki confronts Odin and is essentially like, Why wouldn't you tell me like that I'm a frost giant? Because he knows at this point. And Odin explains that he stole Loki as a baby and that Loki is Lofi's son. And then, while Loki is yelling at him and essentially being like, You are a bad father. <laughs> You lied to me and stole me as a child. Odin has—it looks like he has a heart attack, but obviously we know that doesn't happen. But
1: yeah, he's—he's falling into the Odin sleep.
0: Yeah, but he falls down, and then he gets put in this weird, like, amber-colored tomb-type thing while he's trying to get better, and Loki takes on the role of King of Asgard.
1: Yes, which we find out when Sif and the Warriors 3 kind of realize what's going on, that that Loki has been manipulating the situation, and they go to talk to Odin about it, and Loki is there in full regalia and his overcompensation helmet.
0: He does have a very large helmet.
1: Yes, it's absolutely overcompensation.
0: We also find out when we swap back over to the Earth side of things that Dr. Selvig knows Bruce Banner.
1: It's implied that he knows Bruce Banner. Right. What's funny is that there's actually a chance that he's implying, or it's implied that he knows someone else, because there are other scientists that work with gamma radiation that have had dealings with S.H.I.E.L.D. In the comics, not in the movies. So it's it's basically a not to Bruce Banner.
0: Yeah. Well, then we find out that Thor overhears a conversation in a diner about his hammer and about how they've set up that facility. hmm So Thor decides he's going to go get his hammer back.
1: Yeah. And we get a little uh, infiltration scene. Lots of hand-to-hand fighting. And we get to see Agent Barton, uh, who later on will be known as Hawkeye, but for now he's just Agent Barton, uh, which is really fun, because the first thing that we see him in, somebody's like, hey, I want somebody with a gun up top, and we see him reach for a gun, and then he takes the bow instead, and it's kind of a, a fun little introduction to him.
0: I also like how in that scene, they put him up in a crane, and they are literally just flinging him around.
1: Yes. Yes. And we get to see a little bit of his personality and his humor when he keeps asking Coulson, like, do I need to shoot this guy? And eventually he's like, you need to make this call because I'm starting to root for him, and it's it's great. But so
0: Thor makes it to the hammer.
1: Yes, he makes it to Mjolnir, and I think one of the most emotional scenes of the movie is when he tries to pick it up and fails, and I, I feel like there is kind of a moment there when he suddenly realizes that, he's not worthy. And he screams at the sky, like you do. But I think the the important part, I think the, the reason that he's emotional is not because he can't lift the hammer. It's because he's not worthy.
0: Yeah. And then he gets arrested yes. by Agent Colson. And while he is in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s custody, Loki visits him and yes. manipulates him further.
1: Yes. And lies to him about the situation in Asgard. And I, I think out of all of those lies, the the cruelest of them is Mother Has Forbidden Your Return. Because especially later on in the Thor movies, we see the connection between Thor and his mother. And Loki and their mother. There's just a a major connection that Loki is very much manipulating here.
0: I feel like we don't get a lot of Frigga in this movie. I feel like we don't get a lot of her personality. Like, of course she's there and we see her. But she doesn't have a lot of lines. She only, the really, the only, like, lines we get from her are at the very end of the movie.
1: Yeah, when she's talking to Sif, there's not a whole lot from her. She's, she's more of a plot device than anything in this movie, but we do, we do get to see a lot more of her later on. We also see Agent Sitwell for the first time in this movie, who's another S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, who will end up cropping up in later movies as well, but he is the the bald guy with the glasses that was at that facility. Yeah. So he he ends up being involved as well later on.
0: And then Dr. Selvig shows up because Jane called him and left a voicemail on his phone. Because Dr. Selvig told Jane not to go with Thor to get the hammer. And Jane panicked and left him a voicemail. And she was like, hi, if you don't hear from me in an hour, I did the thing that you told me not to do. So Dr. Selvig goes... And gets Thor out of custody by lying and saying that it's his colleague, Dr. Donald Blake, and saying that he was just really drunk. And that's why he broke into the facility.
1: Yeah, I think he got drunk and was dared to do it. This is his excuse, something like that. But I think Coulson is more interested in what's going on than necessarily following regulations about everything because he, he lets... Selvig take him, even though they know that he's lying. But we get we get treated to Eric and Thor having a night out together. Yes, and they drink, they fought, they made their ancestors proud. Yes, yeah. but after after Thor gets out, he and Jane end up talking, and he he starts explaining everything. And we see that in this scene, we see that Marvel is still being really cautious. these early movies because everything is still science even the magic of the asgardian gods because thor explains it as you know your ancestors called it magic you call it science where i come from it's it's the same thing so marvel really doesn't delve into the magic side of things for quite some time still but then we have the, the line that I mentioned earlier, do not mistake my appetite for apathy, as the Warriors 3 and Sif are all discussing what they should do. They eventually decide they're going to go help Thor. Um, and they go and, I would say, convince Heimdall, but Heimdall doesn't really need a whole lot of convincing to let them through. He's like, you're going to go help Thor and defy Loki's orders? Cool. I can't be here for it, so I'm going to walk away now. But he leaves his sword in the Bifrost to activate it.
0: Right. And then later, Loki comes and essentially is like, you didn't follow orders from your king, and I am your king right now, and freezes Heimdall uh, when Heimdall tries to fight Loki.
1: Well, he doesn't fight him until he strips him of his orders, basically, and his rank as the gatekeeper. Right. Loki takes that away from him, and Heimdall's like, well, I don't have to take orders from you anymore, and tries to kill him. Yeah. But Loki's quicker. And freezes him with the the casket of Infinite Winter. And then several things happen because Loki lets Laufey in to kill Odin. But it is really just another one of his tricks because Loki ends up killing Laufey. That is after... That's actually after all the stuff that happens on Earth. Mm -hmm. So the stuff that happens on Earth is also important because Sif and the Warriors 3 show up. And go see Thor convince Selvig and Jane. That Thor was telling the truth. I think Jane kind of at that point pretty much believes it, but, but Eric is finally convinced when they show up. But right after them comes the Destroyer, sent by Loki, who they fight and cannot beat. And so Thor decides to sacrifice himself, which in that sacrifice, he becomes worthy of Mjolnir again. Right. So he gets Mjolnir back, gets his power back, and is able to defeat the Destroyer. And so while Heimdall is frozen, Thor is trying to get back to stop Loki. Heimdall eventually gets out of the ice that he was frozen in, kills the two giants that were left with him, and is able to get Thor back. And then Thor goes and has a face-off with Loki.
0: Right, and they open the Bifrost with the intention of destroying Jotunheim.
1: Yes, Loki Loki does. He He opens it using Odin's staff. And then causes it to stay open by freezing it. And it's really cool because when he freezes it, the ice actually takes the form of Idrissil, the world tree.
0: Right. So Thor has a decision to make because Thor wants to now save Jotunheim because it's not right to destroy a realm. So Thor's decision is he's going to break the bridge and cut off travel to Asgard. Which means he won't get to go back to Earth and see Jane, who he's now fallen in love with. Yes. We get some really tender moments between the two of those. It's kind of very much a... You see it coming because she's the main character and she's Natalie Portman. Even Loki in that moment makes a comment to Thor and he's like, But you'll never see her again!
1: Yeah, and he, Thor
0: uses Mjolnir to snap that bridge.
1: Yeah, which it's it's interesting to see that Loki, Loki uses everything that he can to manipulate the situation. Even using Thor's feelings for, for Jane to try and stop him but he does not stop him Thor destroys the bridge to the Bifrost and while that's happening Odin wakes up and so we see we see Loki start to fall Thor tries to save Loki and Odin ends up catching both of them and I think in that in that scene we kind of see a an interesting dynamic between the three of them because after all that he's done after all that Loki has done Thor still tries to save him
0: I think Thor still loves him like as yeah. a brother and Odin still loves him as a son.
1: Yeah, and so he's he's trying to save both of his sons. But in that in that scene Loki is still like I could have I could have done it. I could have done it, father. I could have destroyed them. I could have done what you wanted. And we see that Loki's mentality has been throughout this entire thing. It's been what Thor's mentality was at the beginning. But Loki doesn't have this journey that Thor does. To worthiness loki just stays in his same mindset and when odin odin's response is just no and i think i think that kind of shows the problem that odin has had this whole time is that i don't think odin knows how to talk to loki and so he doesn't have anything to say to loki other than no and loki just lets go and falls into space
0: right and it's, un- it's it's implied that Loki is dead.
1: Yes, but after that it's just the wind down of the Asgardians celebrating their victory.
0: And Thor being sad that he can't go back to Jane.
1: Yes, and talking to Heimdall about it and asking what she's doing because Heimdall can see her. Right. And... But,
0: but before that, they are all celebrating and Lady Sif follows Thor out onto the balcony. She, like, is walking behind him. And her and Frigga, Thor's mom, have a conversation. And essentially, Sif is concerned and is like, is he gonna be okay? And Frigga's like, yeah. But you can tell, like, it's hinted at in that conversation that Sif would have been more than just a friend to Thor if Jane Foster hadn't have happened. And that's when that conversation happens between Heimdall and Thor of... Him asking if Heimdall can see her, and Heimdall says, Yes. She searches for you.
1: Yeah, and we see we see Jane continuing her work and and still watching out for subtle auroras.
0: Right. And then we have the end credit scene.
1: Yeah, the, the after credit scene we get our first death fake out, because we thought Loki was dead, we find out he's actually alive. And there's a little continuity issue because we see that he's controlling Eric but only, only vaguely, so maybe it's, it's a different kind of control than what we see in The Avengers in a couple of movies. But we also have The Avengers tie-in for this movie. Besides S.H.I.E.L.D. being around, is Nick Fury talking to Eric Selvig about the Tesseract, which is introduced here instead of in Captain America.
0: Right, because the end of credits scene opens with Dr. Selvig being brought to this underground facility and Nick Fury showing him the Tesseract and we see in the physically in the room Dr. Selvig and Nick Fury, but in a reflection you see Loki standing next to Dr. Selvig and he like makes a comment like, oh this will be fun.
1: I guess it's worth a look, which Eric then repeats, so implying that there is some mind control or something going on there. But, yeah, it's it's a cool little tie-in to two movies from now when we get The Avengers because it, it kind of shows why Eric is where he is, and we already know that S.H.I.E.L.D. has the Tesseract, which will be important in the next movie.
0: Right. So as a movie, what would you rate this?
1: Mm, I recognize that it's not that great of a movie, honestly. It's, it's hard to do a good Thor movie because it's just a different feel from the other ones you know it's it's very tropey as well this entire movie is very tropey so as a movie overall maybe like a 5
0: that's what i was going to give it a 5 like
1: i like thor is my favorite superhero kenneth Braniff is a fantastic director chris hemsworth is a great actor like the entire cast is fantastic in their roles but it's just so tropey <laughs>
0: It is pretty tropey. So we're agreed, 5 out of 10. Yeah. And then for a superhero movie.
1: As a superhero movie, maybe up a little bit from that, like a 6.
0: That's what I was going to say, yeah. We're on the same page about a lot of the the grading. Yeah. But yeah, 6 out of 10. (laughs)
1: Like overall, really not that great. Nothing to write home about, but a good introduction to Thor as a character. And there are some really good moments in it.
0: That's true. Do you have any other thoughts about this movie? Anything else you would like to add?
1: No, I don't think I have anything left in my notes, other than we get to see Coulson trying to debrief someone again after Thor gets Mjolnir back, and failing, because Coulson always fails to debrief people.
0: Yeah, he didn't do well with Tony. He didn't do well with Thor. It's fine.
1: We hope you've enjoyed listening to us ramble on about a Norse god. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter,
0: and you can follow me on YouTube at Kate O'Connor. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, the outpour of love on social media has been really crazy uh, since we've started this journey. Yeah. But we're super grateful for you guys. We're I don't think we've said this in a podcast yet, but we upload bi-weekly. I'm sure by this point you know that we upload every two weeks. But we will continue on this journey Of marvelous proportions
1: Special thanks to Mikhail Bureau Who I really hope I'm pronouncing that name right For our theme song Yes You can find a link to his YouTube page In the episode description So make sure to subscribe to the podcast Follow us on social media And we will see you next time For Captain America The First Avenger I'm excited
0: Me too